So I said to Big Hair, why don't we take this thing and go one more step and rate the drivers? To which he said, how? Well, here's how, Nev. It would be simple if we only have to measure one race, but we can't do that since most supercar weekends have more than one race. So we have to look at the whole weekend as one picture, and that means one great race can be spoiled by poor effort in another. We also take into account the relative position of each team against the other. And that means that we're not saying Team Sydney is going to be Red Bull Racing Australia. So, how does it work? 10-point weekend would be perfect. Great racecraft, a sensational implementation of strategy and scoring the best results possible for that car and that team. A 9 or 8's a very good weekend, barely putting a foot wrong on the way to good points haul, but little spots for improvement. 7 and 6 points is around a pass score, we think, with a few mistakes dragging the score down. 5 and below, there's room for improvement. And that is how the Supercars In Review ratings works. Welcome, everybody. I'm Neville Wilkinson, and I'm joined by Andrew Clark. How are you going, Clarky? Not about it all this week, Nev. Um, getting ready for Easter, of course, which is always a great break. And I was getting ready for Simmons Plains. Yes, well, the news has just come through. Um, it's Wednesday uh, as we record this. And the news, I understand, is that Simmons Plains has been put back a week because of the whole Queensland ordeal. Yep. Uh, supercars have announced today that, they, uh, that they're that they putting it back a week. So obviously trying not to cancel the race, which is good, uh, but putting it back a week, which will obviously stretch this bit out, but it will compress the next bit to lead into Tail and Bend, which will be interesting. But they feel that uh, you know, with the emerging risks through the Gold Coast and with Brisbane obviously already under lockdown and under travel restrictions into Tasmania, with no indication to when the travel restrictions are going to lift, they need to extend it by a week in the hope that we get the round on. There's no guarantee yet that the round is going to go on. This is a move made to hopefully get the round on one week late. So what teams does it really affect? I mean, we've got well, one team in Brisbane, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we've got Triple Eight in uh, Brisbane, based out of Banyo, and, and they're in an interesting situation because some of their people have already left to run the cars at the Bathurst Six Hour this weekend in, in uh, over Easter. Their core personnel and some of their core personnel are already out of Brisbane, so they're okay there. Those people can then um, get on the plane and travel from Bathurst to Tasmania, no dramas at all. We have freedom of freight travel, obviously, so freight has a, has a travel clearance, so they can pack the cars and trucks and let them go, and everything's cool there. Then you got on the Gold Coast. You only got the two teams now, which I found quite funny when I was looking at it because there used to be so many Queensland-based teams, but now we've only got the three. So we've got Dick Johnson Racing. They have already left Queensland. They've packed the truck and gone. So they're already in New South Wales trying to set up a, a base there, a bit like the Melbourne teams had to do last year when they were on the road for that 105 days. Uh, and the other one is Matchstone Racing, which I believe is going to be out of the state before this day, being the Wednesday, as you said, is over. Um, and they'll be into New South Wales and ready to to start the same program. So a bit of what the Melbourne teams had last year, now it's going to affect the Queensland teams, but probably for just a short period of time. So what are they putting it back a week so the teams can quarantine, the Brisbane or the Queensland teams? No, I don't think it's for quarantine. It's in the hope that the um, border restrictions are lifted in that period of time. As I said, two of the teams are already out. We'll be out of Brisbane before the um, travel conditions come into play anyway, pretty much. So... Um, 
you know, it, uh, it should be okay. It's probably really just a little bit of extra time required for them to get through some of the hurdles and the possible solutions to making sure that the race goes ahead. Okay. But the thing is, that, and this is what we said at the start of the year, it's going to be fluid this year. It is not going to be linear. It's not going to be exactly as the calendar is listed is how it's going to play out. This is Queensland who last year survived it so well that they had the pretty much the entire AFL season played up there. You know, So they survived through that when Victoria was in that 110-day lockdown type period. So you know, it, it's one of those things. They were okay last year. Now they're not. Let's hope they don't have to go into a three-month lockdown like Victoria. Oh, you don't wish that on your worst enemy. Well, actually, you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but as I say, it's, it's, a, it's a sit here and watch here. I mean, uh, you know, I've been looking through the various news services at the moment just to see what's going on. The Motorsport 360 app uh, is a good place to stay on top of what's happening because you can get all the good news feeds in there. Uh, just stay on and, uh, and see what happens. But I'm sure if something serious does happen, and then uh, it'll be out there pretty big news. Yeah, well, that's what I've been checking out. Yeah, all the time. Wanted to get on to another subject, Sandown. There's a critical point coming up in the near future regarding the history of Sandown, whether it's going to stay as, well, potentially a racetrack or it's going to go to housing. Yeah, this is interesting. There's um, There's been a, uh, a submission to the Dandenong City Council to try and turn Sandown and its precinct into a uh, – in- to a housing estate with 7,500 new dwellings in there. So, how, how, what? Uh, s- what? 7,500? Exactly, yep. Which, uh, you know, if you talk about three to four people per house, and in some cases more, yeah, you're looking at 30,000 people being dropped into that little area. And that's caused a few concerns. So, the mayor of Sandown's come out and said, I don't like this one little bit. Um, she doesn't like the fact that, um, that we're getting rid of a recreational facility that has massive impacts, not just to the horse racing industry, but to car racing. I mean, that Sandown track is used pretty much every day of the week for some sort of driver training activity, and it's got its few race meetings that it has a year. But it's the the day-in, day-out driver education stuff that would suffer really badly if we lost Sandown. The second part to it is that she doesn't think the infrastructure is there. That The Melbourne Racing Club who owns this place, who's trying to get enough money to refurbish stands at Caulfield Racecourse, which it leases. So interestingly, they own this, yet they lease Caulfield, yet yep. they want to sell this land for 300, 350 million and pump it back into uh, That's- into a facility they don't own. I mean, at the moment, as I say, you know, it's, it's up in the air. April 16th is the next appeal hearing. So we'll have a pretty good idea about what's going to happen then. So after April the 16th, we'll know which direction it's going. So if it does go well, the way possibly. of housing. So if they don't get their appeal. way, they, exactly, then they'll appeal and then they'll do this and they'll do that, blah, blah, blah. You know, they think, um, you know, they claim they're losing $5 million per annum is what they're claiming at the moment. So they're saying it's not viable to keep it open. But the saddest part is that like next year is the 60-year um, history of Sandown as a motor racing venue. You know, so it would be sad to lose that. And they've been running horse racing there since the 1860s, I think it was, under the um, Oakley. So Oakley Horse Racing or something owned it to start with and mm-hmm. it went quiet for a little bit and then it came back. So, yeah, it's just interesting. There's a there's some stuff around in the newspapers if people are really keen. They can jump on and have a look and uh, and read the history of the place and the reason why the council's objecting and uh, maybe they can get involved and say, please don't close down our motor racing facility and our, and our driver training facility which is what I think would be very sad to lose. 
Well, all I can say is I'm hoping for the one that keeps the racetrack open as long as possible. Um, yeah, well, I think noise. Um, you know, people complain well, about motor racing noise. I think now, and only once no, or think, twice a year. Once a year, no, it's no. not that bad. Oh, I think you misinterpret what I mean by noise. I mean that motor racing fans need to get noisy. Oh. We need to make a noise about this. So uh, we need to I, I create chaos, especially if you live in the Dandenong region. So if you're in the city of Dandenong, you need to be in touch with your local councillors yeah, and make some a bit noise. Of a hot say, point. Good point. You know, so talk about this is ground level activism, Neville. Let's get in there and uh, shake the tree, make some noise. But, you know, it's as I say, it's not just motor racing. It's not just horse racing. This is a driver training facility. It's the, probably the most extensively used driver training facility in Victoria. If you think we can afford to lose that, then go out onto our roads and see how bad the people are driving. Well, here's, my little, here's my little rant, Nev. Okay, Clarky. It's time to get into the ratings. Let's start with Matt Stone Racing. First driver up, Zane Goddard. You scored him a six. Okay, that sounds like a bit of an average weekend for him. Yeah, it's just what was expected, I think, was the um, was the return from Zane. He looked really good in practice, um, but when the stuff got serious, you know, he fell back to where we expect in that 21 to 24 range. So qualifying average of 22.3. Improved slightly in each of the races, so, you know, we've got to Finishing average of 19.7. So if we take our, our golfing analogy, Nev, we rated him 21st at the start of the year and over the course of the weekend he finished 22nd. So he was one over par, which means um, six is about the right sort of score for him. So he, he was last, was 24th on the second race on Sunday. That's last on the grid. Was there a reason for that? He was just a little bit too slow. And what you're finding with these cars at the moment is that whatever tyres are on the car is having an impact in wet weather. So you might have a good set of tyres that you take off and you put a bad set on without knowing that it's a bad set. Now, Dunlop doesn't want to admit that it's happening, but there is enough evidence to say it is happening, which we'll talk about a little bit later when we get to uh, one of the other drivers who um, who dramatically lost speed when he changed tyres in the race. So he could have just jumped onto a poor set of tyres and dropped down to 24th. Okay, Jake Kostecki's teammate, he scored a seven, uh, one point more. Yeah, his qualifying wasn't too bad. 12th on Saturday, first race on Sunday was the 24th, and then 17th on the second race Sunday. How come we got a 24th? He slipped off the track, didn't he? And uh, oh, brought out the red flag, oh, so he lost his fastest time. So he's actually left with no completed time on the timesheets because, uh, you know, he didn't get a whole lap done. Uh, so, yeah, it, uh, it was a bit of a disappointment, I think, to to not get that, especially after doing your best ever qualifying on the Saturday. So, you know, that Saturday session for him was a really good result. I mean, 12th in that car is an amazing effort, especially in the dry. So there's no luck of the wet. There's none of that stuff. He did a 12th in the dry on speed, and that was um, really impressive. The races weren't quite as good as his qualifying, which is why he only got a 7 instead of an 8. But, you know, really good outcome and uh, great positive signs for him as he's emerging and you know developing his career in that effectively the first full season of racing for him okay team sydney first up gary jacobson you scored him a six no squal no you didn't think he had much speed at all 
No, nah, well, 22nd, 20th, and 21st in qualifying, but, you know, we know the car's not that great yet, so um, we can't expect too much from him. Um, he might have got a seven because he performed as expected, except that he um, he tapped little Bryce forward off into the fence during, the, uh, during one of the races, which wasn't a good performance. So, you know, we kind of hit him a little bit for that, but uh, just didn't have any speed and didn't look like he was going to find any speed over the course of the weekend. But as we say, you know, if you've got a dud car, you've got a dud car. And at the moment, that's a dud car. I don't know why. It's triple eight. It's triple eight equipment. So I think they'll get on top of that in the next two or three race weekends as they give up their nomadic lifestyle. I mean, they've still been swapping between Queensland and Sydney about where they're based. So now they're firmly Sydney-based. They can start to work on getting things in order and uh, you know, maybe uh, achieve what Fabian thinks they can achieve and, and climb up the grid. Fabian Coulthard, his teammate, you scored him a seven. Now, he finished 21st, 17th, and 20th in the three races, he only beat his te- uh, teammate, Gary Jacobson, in the first race on Sunday, but you score him a point more. Well, I was impressed by his qualifying on Sunday, I think was the main thing, that we started to see a little bit of that that life, the vibe that is Fabian, um, and we saw him you know, kind of lead the team a little bit more. So um, the races weren't quite so good, but again, you know, like any racing in the rain when you're down the back of the field is going to have a bit of a potluck to it. And, uh, you know, again, they're getting somewhere. But uh, Fabian, I thought, was just that little bit better than Gary this weekend. I could have done a half point. I could have done a six and a half, couldn't I? <laughs> okay. Cali Grove Racing. Andre Heimgardner, you scored him an eight. Davey Reynolds, his teammate as well, they've both got eights. Good qualifying for Andre, but dropped a few spots in the race. You're saying that Davey Reynolds, his car was not great, but his uh, podium in race three, I think that made, is that what made up for it? Absolutely. And remember, it was um, like race two for, for Davey where he finished 22nd is all to do with suspension damage after getting a hit on the opening lap. So you can't blame him for that part of it. So he drove a wounded car for the entire race effectively. So, uh, you know, 22nd was a result of that. But otherwise, we had an 11th and the 3rd. The podium on Sunday was just awesome. You know, it was a really good effort in a car that, remember, and we spoke about this last time and probably after Bathurst as well, it's got a very abrupt power delivery coming on. It's not yet great with its smoothness of its power and all those sort of things, which is what the team's really working on to try and get right. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can do that in the wet in a car that's got an unsubtle power delivery, that's a pretty good drive, I reckon. And as I say, the podium was a a great effort, a great reward, but it was all off the back of, you know, ninth and fourth in qualifying in the wet. So, you know, really good return for Dave and uh, very happy to see him back to where we expect to see him up near the front. Andre's qualifying was very consistent, 7th, 5th, and 5th. He's turned into a bloody good qualifier, hasn't he? He dropped the excellent qualifying. Um, Did he have a problem in race three? No, no, that was just battling your way through the wet. Anything can happen in the wet, as I say, but, you know, why? as far as I know, they're not reporting a problem. It was just luck of the draw, and, you know, where you go, I think he lost a couple of spots off the grid, and that was it. Bang, done. Okay, moving on to BGR uh, Team 2, Macaulay Jones and Jack Smith. First up, Macaulay, uh, he scored a 6, only a 6? Yeah, well, we had an okay race and we had an okay qualifying. But, you know, he's been around a while now and I'm expecting a lot, lot more from him. Yeah, I just, uh, I want more. I want to see, I want to see what Brad sees in him. 
um, aside from being a father. But I really want to see what says, you know, Macaulay Jones is going to make the grade in this game and I'm not seeing it yet. 24th in, you know, the middle race or last and, and or DNF actually was when they put a hole in the oil pump and uh, blew smoke and oil all over the track. But uh, that was from debris, we believe. So, um, you know, again, not his fault, but I'm not sure he would have been anyway. So uh, 15th, 24th and 18th, we were talking about his three races for 19th. You know, and again, it's just, you know, we're just making up numbers at the back of the field and competitive people don't want to do that. So I expect to see him start to pull something out and maybe start to give us a return somewhere in the Todd Hazelwood, Nick Perkett type range, but maybe the Todd Hazelwood range is where he should be this year. Well, was it, yes, like he, he qualified okay, but he never finished in front of his qualifying order, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he lost space he in always, all, he places in all races. In all races, yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, two spots, three spots, four spot loss, so, you know. Okay, his teammate, Jack Smith, he scored a five, just, what, not showing enough? No, absolutely. We're just not seeing anything there. I mean, um, again, you know, think about the car and, and – from what I'm told, it's supposed to be the same equipment as as Nick Perkett and Todd Hazel would have got, which means that, you know, if you've got it and you're in your second or third year, you should be starting to climb. And we're not seeing a climb. We're just seeing him statically down the back of the field, you know. We've got a last place in qualifying. We've got a second last place in qualifying. You know, I think if you uh, if you want to build a substantial career out of this game, you need to be starting to improve by now. Well, it brings us to BJR1. Todd Hazelwood, Nick Percat, first up Todd Hazelwood. You scored him a six. Why six? Well, I expect a lot more out of Todd. He's got a lot more talent than we're seeing at the moment. And you know, whether there's an inherent problem at BJR with the cars, I don't really know. But um, you can only compare him to his teammates. And um, Nick Percat is effectively hosing him at the moment. So, you know, we expect more. 15th, 15th and 16th in qualifying. Um, and then, you know, 18th, sorry, 14th, 14th and 8th in the races is just not good enough for a bloke who should be a race winner. Yeah, well, okay. It brings us to Nick. You scored him at 8. Steady but expecting more? Yeah, qualifying was the issue. He just we're just not getting a qualifying speed that he needs. So it could be end up that BJR is where Team 18 were last year, where their qualifying is not good enough, but their racing's good. So you know we we averaged twelve point three on qualifying, but we averaged seven point three in the races. So that's a you know five jump over where you qualified qualified to average. So to race, sorry. So that's a really good return. So he's racing well, but we need to qualifying to come on board, and then we can get Nick Perkett back to where. We expect him, which is as a podium contender. Next up, Welcome Shaw Andretti United. Chaz Mostert, you scored him as seven. Is that because he had a 24th on the, the second race on Sunday? No, it's because he was just a bit scrappy all weekend, I thought. Um, wasn't what we've seen at the other, at, at Bathurst in particular. Um, he had speed. I mean, we got a pole on, on Saturday, which was good, and then qualified third and ninth in the other two races, which, you, you know, not so Do good. you know, just put it, do you know exactly the same as Macaulay Jones? Never finished above his qualifying spot. Always got passed. Every race. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. Like, part of it was the, the strategy from the team. I mean, on Saturday, he suffered because of the strategies that they pulled him in early to get track position because he um, dropped spots off the grid. So, 
possibly his own fault because he lost spots off the grid and then they had to get him out of traffic, so they stopped him early, which meant by the end of the race, even though he was leading, he had no tyres left, so he was a sitting duck. You know, Cam Waters just ate him up and passed him. Um, and then he got involved in a couple of little battles there with uh, with Jamie Wincup and then um, got jumped by Shane when when the two of them were kind of fighting and lost track of where they were. So he could have had a podium out of that. He probably wasn't going to win with that strategy, but he should have been on the podium. And it was only by by fighting a fight you shouldn't fight that he didn't get that. Sunday, you know, he's um, had the contact with Cam Waters and given up the spot immediately to him. Um, so, you know, we've had a we've had a pretty scrappy weekend for for Chaz. We know he's um, he's very bullish. Like, you know, Chaz is potentially a champion, no doubt at all. You know, he should be up in contending for race wins every week uh, at the moment. And I think Walkinshaw and Ready United looks like they're they're well and truly in the game now. You know that pole position in the dry qualifying is more of an indicator as to where you are than the qualifying in the rain. So he should be contending for race wins, and he didn't because of things that that were in his control, not the team's. That brings me to Bryce Forward. You scored him a five. Oh, tough, tough. Yeah, well, if you um, look at the qualifying average there, Nev, so 4.3 is the qualifying average for Chaz Mostert. In the same car, the qualifying average for Bryce Forward is 19.0. So you've effectively qualified 15 spots behind your teammate in every race. Um, That's just not going to cut it. And it's going to put you down in in a crap situation when it comes to the opening laps of a race. And what happens when you're in a crap situation, Nev? Someone hits you. (laughs) And so he got hit. He got tapped by Gary Jacobson and he went into the wall and tore the front off the car and he ended up finishing 24th in that first race and that's his own doing that's qualifying so you have to qualify better when you're in a car like that yeah he had to uh, he had to get hit for that and uh, and the five i think um is quite a fair return and it yeah. could have even been worse i felt it was character building okay <laughs> oh i love that term character building it was <laughs> team ad scott pie you scored him a six well, he was well off the pace compared to his teammate. So we get back to the same argument we just had. If you're getting hosed by your teammate, then you can't be anywhere near them on the point score. Okay. Um, 12th, 8th and 22nd in the three races for him and, um, you know, qualifying average of 14. So, you know, not not that great a weekend, I don't think. Brings us to Mark Winterbottom. You scored him at 8. Yeah, so close to the podium, wasn't he, on the on the Saturday race. So he ended up fourth there. And, yeah, he was in good shape. Bad pit stop was what cost him there. He was running second for most of the race, and the bad pit stop just pushed him out of contention. Yeah, so the bad pit stop, not his fault. Um, Do you know so what happened? Fourth was a, uh, I think tyre wheel got stuck. Okay. Um, so, yeah, just one of those things that happens in motor racing when you have pit stops is that things can go wrong, and it did. You know, fourth in the dry like that. You know, he qualified fourth, but he was, you know, up in second and so forth in practice. So we saw some real speed. The car wasn't so great in the wet, though. You know, 11th and 10th in the two races um, and 11th and 6th in qualifying. But uh, overall, I think it's a you know, pretty good return for the weekend. Considering the qualifying for the first race and the second race on the Sunday were held almost together back-to-back, qualifying 11th in the first race for Sunday and then doing qualifying 6th, yeah, no, it's a good, good return. Uh, good, you know, good to jump up when you're in there because no changes effectively made in the five minutes between the sessions. But he's one of the ones who stayed on the old tyres, so they were still warm when they went back out onto the track. And the guys who did that tended to get an advantage over the guys who didn't. So you know, good strategy by the team. But you know, again, 
you know, in the wet especially, the driver's got to execute really well to get there. So they've got a bit of work to do on their wet weather car, but their dry weather pace looks really good. Next up, Erebus. First is Brody Kostecki, and you've given him an eight. I would have thought he would have got nearly a nine. No, he might have got second place on on final race on Sunday, which was a bloody good effort. Like seriously good drive. It was like watching him at Bathurst last year again, wasn't it? Just no one's getting him away. No one's going to do anything. I'm taking that spot, and he went and did it. But seventeenth and thirteenth in the first two races. So, you know, we tend to forget those when you see a great result at the end of the weekend. But the rest of the weekend wasn't quite so good for him, and especially that twenty third in qualifying. On the uh, the first race, but on yeah, Sunday. he made up ten spots. Surely that must have rated a bit more. Yeah, but doesn't it tell you that you mucked up qualifying? Um, if you can jump ten spots in the race, then you probably should have qualified ten spots higher. You know, we can't go any higher than eight if you're going to qualify twenty third on your own doing, and you're going to finish seventeenth and thirteenth in another couple of races. So, you know, great signs. I mean, remember this is his second race as a full time driver. We're going to see so much from this kid, and uh, and I'm going to love watching it because I just I love his approach to the sport. I love the way he goes about it. I love his enthusiasm. When you hear him interviewed, he's he's great to listen to. So yeah, a really fresh face for the sport and sense sensational. Okay, Will Brown, his teammate, you scored him as seven. His best result was a seventh on the second race on Sunday. Yeah, so five spots behind his teammate, remember? Um, and that's all because of qualifying. You know, so Brody qualified seventh in that race and Will qualified 19th. You know, So while they seem to have great speed for that last race, I mean, some tweak that they did to those Erebus cars between qualifying and the race really worked. Oh, sorry, probably between race three, second race and the third race really worked. And they had great speed. And um, yeah, normally you would sit there and you'd say, well, a 12th spot gain, great effort. But when your teammates finish second, you you kind of overshadowed that, that result, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you couldn't you couldn't give him the same mark as as Brody. So he had to get a seven. Oh, poor Will. Okay. Next, Tim Slade and Tickford two. Or we kind of bunch them together. Uh, that's Jack LeBrock. So first up, Tim Slade. You scored him a seven. He's Okay, you. I, I thought he would have been a bit, done a bit better in finishing results to warrant a seven. Yeah. I thought. Well, we got thirteenth, ninth, and seventeenth in the races. So you know, after the speed that was shown at Bathurst, and and knowing that they went through a massive job to even get him on the track, you know, with the amount of damage that was done and putting him into spare cars and all those sort of things. So really good effort, but you know, serviceable. It wasn't anything more than serviceable. It wasn't, you know, sit back and say wow like Brody Kostecki or sit back and say, wow, like we said about Tim Slade at Bathurst. So, you know, seven's, seven's a good return. Remember, that's what you paid for. You paid to perform as a seven. Well, I think after Bathurst, oh, they probably probably went, okay, we're back on track. <laughs> yeah, I know, but didn't the expectations shift after a weekend like that? Oh, yeah, very much yeah. so. Okay, Jack LeBrock, you also scored him a seven. Uh, blistered foot? Yeah, he got blistered feet up at uh, Bathurst, so um, he'd been around on crutches and things over the you know, the three weeks between trying to get his feet back together. Apparently, um, it didn't cause him any problems that they they managed to to do it all. And you know what the reason is, Nev? What? It's because he's taller than the others, and his feet go deeper into the footwell, uh-huh. um, so it's closer to the heat source, and that's what the problem is okay. for um, for Jack LeBrock. So they put a bit of extra heat padding in place to absorb some of the heat to give him protection, so that this doesn't happen again. But you know, he was um, he had feet were tender, but you know he qualified well. Like Saturday's dry qualifying was the fifth, 
bit of poor strategy, uh, dropped them to 10th, but then 12th and 16th in the rain. So I want more from Jack. Um, but remember, you know, effectively, I mean, this is his second year with Tickford now. I would be expecting that by the end of this year, he is a regular uh, contender around that five mark. So top five, possibly nudging the podiums is where Jack LeBrock should be by the end of the year. Um, so that's what we should judge him by now, and he wasn't doing that. Okay. Next, Tickford two. Cameron Waters is the first one up. You scored him a nine. Uh, what, the best of the rest in regards to Ford and Holden teams? Yeah, yeah, best of the rest. So, I mean, obviously Shane Van Gisbergen's in another stratosphere at the moment. Yeah. Um, Cam Waters was the next best and, uh, you know, he got second in first two races and sixth in the last one. And, you know, we got second and fourth in the first two qualifying and tenth in the last one. So he was the fastest of the drivers to put new tyres on for the second qualifying session on the Sunday. So he went out there on dead cold tyres and just, you know, putting enough heat in the tyres in the 10 minutes to get any speed out of it. If the session had gone another five minutes, you would have seen a different result there. So he did okay. His strategy worked. Like his, his part of the equation was good. It was just that team error on the Sunday that cost him so badly. Okay, his teammate, James Courtney, you scored him a seven. Yeah, well, yeah, we're top 10, 10 contender. Um, so we got ninth and seventh in the first two races. Just missed, I think it was like two hundredths of the, two thousandths of a second or something to miss the top 10 in that final session. And who knows what could have happened. Remember, that's a format two, Nev, in qualifying. You know, we've got people dropping off. So he could have been in that last session and he could have pushed himself up the grid a little bit, but he just missed out there. Sixth and then 15th. So he was the same error that affected Cam Waters, affected James Courtney in qualifying. So you're going to start in the middle of a field in a wet race. You're not going to really get that far, are you? And in fact, you know, he finished 15th, which is where he qualified. Uh, again, you know, he's a champion. He should be a race winner. He should be further up the grid. So seven points for him. Well, talking of champion, using it as a segue, next up Red Bull and pole racing. Shane Van Gisbergen, if you could give him 11, you would, but he's got a 10. Yeah, yeah, I can't find any mechanism to go over 10, um, although then again, I did invent the system, so I probably could if I needed to. Um, amazing effort. Dude, like, and, and, if and, you give him 11, you would, because he didn't just have a broken collarbone. He had busted ribs or cracked ribs, whatever. He didn't even yeah. tell us. No, he was, a, he was in a world of pain. Um, and you think normally if you said, you know, somebody qualified 17th um, was going to get 10, you you probably sack me. Tell him you're joking. Yeah, but, you know, 17th, he won the next two pole positions, but he won all three races, as you say, with a busted collarbone and with broken ribs. It, it was a stellar effort. He probably pulled off the pass of the decade, if not the century so far, when he passed Jamie and Chaz in between turns one and two, um, that was an amazing pass. You know, he had it all hooked in and he went for the gap and he did it, you know, which was all great. You sit there and you think, okay, so he had more grip because he stopped later or whatever. You still have to execute it perfectly and he executed it absolutely perfectly. Um, it was an amazing effort and I've spoken to other team managers and team leaders down pit lane and they, they are astounded at that move in itself. So if you gave him any less than 10, you wouldn't be giving a, a – a service to motor racing. I mean, that was an amazing effort. And more importantly, you know, we say on the tough days, it's what you get out of it is what defines a championship. So on a tough weekend, he's won all three races. Staggering. It sets up the championship. He is absolutely the one to be hunted. 
And I just honestly, at the moment, I can't see anybody hunting him down. Although we do know that cars are track sensitive um, and we've now been on two tracks that suit Triple Eight, as does Simmons Plains. The swing might turn the other way later on in the year when we go to some of the tracks that suit the Tickford guys. Okay. Well, Jamie Winkup, his teammate, he didn't have a bad weekend. You scored him a nine. I would yeah. have to say that he was the second best driver of the weekend, talking his race results, two thirds and a fourth, right? I think that's better than, I reckon that's better than Cam's because Cam's had a two two. But he had a six. Yeah, I don't know. I think the numbers. That, I reckon. I reckon that uh, Jamie's just snuck in there a little bit, a bit better. Yeah, but it's not all the pure numbers. So if if we're going to do it by that way, then you know Jamie, who qualified second, should have finished second in the final race instead of losing uh. positions to Brody Kostecki <laughs> and Dave Reynolds. So you know it's one of those things. You know he's got a three, three, and a four out of his races, which you think is all good, but he should have had three podiums. And also remember, his teammate is dominating. So he can't be as good as his teammate on the scoreboard. Um, Okay. So, you know, and that's my thing. So I I still think Cam Waters' effort across the weekend as a driver was better than Jamie's. But I think Triple Eight as a team did a better effort than Tickford. Okay. Last team up. Shell, DJR, and uh, Will Davison. You scored him a seven. I mean, he finished 22nd, 10 and a five. I mean, that's a redeeming five. Yeah, but the 22nd, he, he had to do a late pit stop to clear out the radiators because he had debris blocking the cooling vents to the car, so they were going to blow an engine. So he had to pit to, to clear out at that part of the car. So that's why it's 22nd. Otherwise, it would have been a lot higher. And 10th and 5th, like 5th was good in the rain. So we're seeing steady improvement. We're seeing Will settle into the car. We're seeing him start to understand the car more. But we've got to remember, that's the car that dominated the championship for three quarters of last year. So he should be in a race-winning position, not a you know a fifth type of thing, and, and, and perhaps even looking at a lucky fifth. But we saw no great mistakes from him, but we just didn't see him set the world on fire. I am expecting some fireworks from him as the year progresses. I want to see him settle into that team and that car quicker. Okay. Anton T. Pasquale, he also scored a seven. <laughs> I know it's funny, isn't it? If you look at the results, like they've both finished fifth in one race. Yeah, we've got a 22nd for Will in one. We've got 23rd yeah, for Anton like in race four. Yeah. I know, it's bizarre. You know, so the finishing average is 12.3 for Will and 13.3 for Anton. And the qualifying's fairly similar as well. I mean, we've got six, eight, and eight for Anton. So, yeah, qualifying, we're getting there. We are getting there. But, you know, the 23rd, when you're blowing engines, never going to be good. And we call 23rd, but on the timesheet, it's actually listed as a DNF. But, you know, he retired with engine problems, and that's going to hurt you across the weekend. As a driver, though, he did well. You know, he, he's there. And, again, and so I've written the same comments, as you can see, on Will Davis and Anton Di Pasquale. Steady improvement, but this is a championship-winning car. So I expect a bit more, and uh, Anton should be giving me a bit more so far. Yeah, well, his third race, or the race two on the Sunday, he lost four spots. That was a bit of an average race for him. Yeah, but the rain, lots of things happened. Remember, we talk about the tyres. So, oh, James Courtney, for instance, which we didn't actually talk about, which we can throw in now. So, in that third race in the wet, his car was an absolute jet when it left the line, and he was making up spots hand over fist. Then they changed tyres, and the car was a dog, and it started dropping spaces in the same way that it gained them. There's no difference. Technically speaking, there's no difference between the tyres, but there is. There are significant differences that they're finding 
and they can't work it out because the um, the tyres aren't batch-coded, so they can't call up a barcode and see if it was built oh, at the same so time as saying, another tyre. You're saying there could be, like, ooh, inconsistency in the rubber. Inconsistency in the batches, and everybody's trying yep. to find the good batch and get rid of the shitty batch. Yep, and How you can't work it you out. you can't tell. No. So the dry tyres, for instance, so the dry tyres have a barcode on it, and from the barcode you can work out what batch they were built in. The wets aren't done that way. So yeah, so you've got no idea. It's a it's a lottery. Why did we put this in the front in the news in the front? This is actually something worth talking about. But anyway, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yes. Obviously, don't like yeah. denying this. Where, where are you getting this rumor from? Oh, you know, I walk up and down pit lane, Neville. So who's I saying get lots this? of people talking. Who's saying? Oh, I can't it? tell you who's telling me that. But someone is something. Okay, okay, you can't tell. Oh me. yeah, two teammates. Yep, and they've spoken to me about the process. They've spoken to me about how it's done. They've spoken to me about trying to track down batches, and uh, and they can't do it. But they are telling me there is absolutely 100% a difference between certain tyre sets and other sets. So I say James Courtney climbing the order, then James Courtney drops down the order because he's next next two tyres. Remember, it's only two tyres. He didn't change four. They only changed two, and he dropped down the order. So maybe this was Anton on the on the Sunday that you know the he had the dud set of tires and it just wasn't giving him what he needed. Is this going to go away or is this going to keep going? Or is it just um, kind every of time way? it every time it rains, it is going to be talked about. Okay. Does we want more rain? There's the, the, the... <laughs> oh we do, because we know to make motor racing better just add water. Yeah, well not this year. Same way Gizmo will like, win everything. Uh yeah at some point in time the run's got to stop. Okay, look, that's the ratings. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for uh, tuning in. Hey, Nev, do you want yes. to know where we are over the course of the season so far? Where are we? Shane Van Gisbergen's leading. There you go. <laughs> for God's sake. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So Shane's, Shane's on 19 points and Cam Waters is on 18. So, And uh, we've also got Chaz is on 16. So Chaz really got hurt this week. So where there you go. Points? I didn't give it to you. <laughs> oh, oh, it's a secret one, is it? Okay. It's a secret. I can't <laughs> cut this bit out. So, I've got to have a, I've got to have something for you. So, okay, so, so there is a points list. Rightio, okay, we've had two rounds. Can you give me some points? Where? What is the standings in this thing? Because you haven't supplied what them to me. Se- secret squirrel stuff that even I don't get a copy of. I know because this, this is my intellectual property, Nev. You know, we, we're going to keep hold of it. So what we've got, Shane Van Gisbergen's on 19 points, which is pretty much as expected. We've got Cam Waters on 18. And then we've got a brace of guys on 16, um, which is Nick Percat, Mark Winterbottom, Chaz Mostert, and Brody Kostecki, all on 16 points. Um, then on 15 points, Will Davison, Jamie Winkup, and Dave Reynolds, all on 15 points, which is a really good result. Yeah, so we're seeing some interesting movements here so far, which is, uh, which is all exciting, isn't it? Well, who's at the bottom? Is there a motorsport equivalent to a wooden spoon? Well, yes. Well, maybe we'll get one. Maybe what we'll is make it called? A the wooden hubcap or something? I don't know. We'll just give them a wooden spoon. Is I've got a little etching machine. I can etch onto it. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So, wood- so far leading for the perpetual wooden spoon is uh, Jack Smith on 11. Is yeah, there anybody yeah, close uh, to him? Yeah, yeah, Macaulay Jones is on 12 and Todd Hazelwood's on 12. So, um, yeah, Todd, couple of- move on. I know, I know. It's pretty sad, isn't it? I mean, Todd's, Todd's got so much potential. We just got to get him out of his malaise. Enough of this babble, Clarky. Before we go, we've got a preview show coming up, but it looks like it's going to be put back a week now. 
Yeah, I think we'll take the lead from supercars, won't we, and uh, grab an extra week so we can do, enjoy the Easter break. We can get into those little uh, apple and cinnamon hot cross buns from our local Coles Express sponsors of the DJR team. And then we can uh, also uh, feast heavily on Easter eggs on Sunday, providing I've been good enough for the Easter money to come. So let's go the week after. So uh, we'll have about a week and a half's break now, and then we'll have our preview of Simmons Plains on the week after. Perfect. Catch you later, Clarkie. You indeed will, and I'm going to go for a rating up for this podcast. So uh, I think everybody else should do that for us as well. Time to get into the ratings. Let's start with, is there anything you need to add before I actually go straight into it? Uh, let's spill some blood. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, maybe the uh, okay. <laughs>